The following is a Mission Studios podcast. Corona's Mexican Restaurant is sponsoring this episode, so let me tell you about our first experience. A little while back, we had the amazing fortune of trying Corona's Mexican Restaurant here in Mission. Sat down, they took our order, we had a chuckle. A little bit later, the food came. Holy frijoles, the food was amazing. Fantastic taste, amazing portions. It was like Cinco de Mayo in my face, and every bite was a celebration. Just wanted to shout out there, Roger and Autumn and all you staff there at Corona's, thank you for such an amazing experience. Corona's Authentic Mexican Restaurant. For those of you that enjoy Mexican food. They are located at 32525 London Avenue, Unit 750, right here in good old Mission, B.C., right beside the Silver City Theater in the Junction Mall. This is where we go to talk about show ideas and meet some of our listeners. So make sure to stop by, have some good food, great service, and a quick chat about your opinion of the show. See you soon. This is the Missionary Position, and we are... Off-color. Politically incorrect. Abrasive. Offensive. Insensitive. Obnoxious. And sometimes stuck in the fuck you mode. It's Sunday. It's August 19th. And I spent the last week feeling as old as I look. And you look pretty fucking old. I'm Jason. I'm AC. And on this week's episode... We quote smart people without sounding smart. We look at things from a racist point of view. We rock the mics like a vandal. We light up the stage and wax a chump like a candle. So lube up. Turn off the lights. Lay down. And get ready for some Funky Gandhi. I don't know what that is, but this is episode 14. Yeah, we spent a lot of time over the... Uh, last, I guess, 14 episodes now, talking to our listeners about um, basically different uh, ideas of how they should engage with each other. Mm-hmm. I guess little tips, pointers, insights, whatever the fuck the case may be about like how people can and should relate to each other versus how they actually do relate to each mm-hmm. other. I actually find myself talking to myself about that a lot, too. No, it, shit out in my head. Yeah. I think one of the coolest things that I've experienced through covering all this stuff, especially like beating some of these subjects to death, I mean, not just with the microphones in front of us, but also mm-hmm. when I've got tw- quiet time by myself, I often will revisit some of the things we've spoken about right. and think about like, how can I apply these or how have I applied them? Or, or should I? Yeah, or even contrasting like where I was at before you and I started doing this show versus where I'm at now and yep. where you and I are at as friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering if uh, maybe you wanted to dig into that a little bit and maybe share our points of view. Sure. I, I honestly don't think we're any tighter. I don't think we could get any tighter. But I definitely think we spend less time arguing and more time um, factinating. <laughs> It's a word. Look it up. <laughs> well, it is now. Anyways, fuck you. <laughs> but uh, seriously, like we now throw facts back and forth rather than angry accusations because we're assuming that, oh, you mean this or you mean that. If I don't know what you're saying now, I'll say, OK, hold on, hold on. Are you saying this or are you saying that? Like which which context do you mean it? Because either one, I'm going to say fuck you and the other one, we're going to have a conversation. No, it's kind of cool, too, like how naturally that's been coming to us. Because I I would have expected before, like if somebody had suggested communicating that way, 
Yeah. Like, oh, fuck, that's going to get in the way of the normal flow of things. It's going to feel awkward. Right. I, I don't think it feels awkward. It just, it, it's become our normal. Yeah, it, it allows us to clarify for ourselves, too. And, you know, like you were saying before we started the, the session this evening, it's like you don't remember the last time you got pissed off at me. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the last time I got pissed off at you. And um, it's not like our cycles are synced up or anything here. But, well, you know, if they are, it took 15 fucking years. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's like the 15 years didn't teach us fuck all. No. But the the last, I don't know. I six don't months? Yeah. The last six months since we started taking the show somewhat seriously. It, yeah. I, I've learned so much. Right. I, I think my only real frustration with what we've learned is that outside of the two of us, like the other people in my life, they don't seem to want to catch up as quickly <laughs> as right. I would like. Yep. Well, and remember, like, we, we do, we practice this shit on each other, so we're versing each other in it. Even before we started the show, when we were doing preps and such, we were talking about different things to talk about, and, you know, for a few months. And these kind of things came up, and we were still considering them back then. Yeah. So we've got, well, not a long journey, but a, a timely journey, you know, probably eight months or so, of practice of this shit. So when we talk to each other, there's no misunderstandings, because we'll either stop and ask, or because our minds have changed, we'll just understand. Oh, okay, yeah, he doesn't mean it to be a dick. He's saying this because I did that. No, fair enough. Oh, and, and I'd, I'd like to point out too, because I mean, anybody is wondering, it's not all of our interactions are you know with a purpose, though there is meaning in in our conversation. Sometimes we're just bantering for fun. Right. It's not like everything we talk about is show prep or like relationship exploration. It's just, but the the quality of our banter even has gotten better. Right. It's like, if you say something that I don't agree with, I mean, like if, if this had been a year ago today and you said something that rubbed me the wrong way, uh-huh. I would have gotten pissed off at you for annoying me. Right. But now when you say something that rubs me the wrong way, it doesn't even occur to me that you've done something to quote annoy me. I just think I'm getting annoyed and I start looking at why am I reacting this way, not why are you doing this right. to me. We've stopped blaming and started accepting. And I have to say, like, my aggravation level has mm-hmm. gone, like, so far down. I don't even know if I have an aggravation level with you anymore. Yeah. I would 100% agree. I can honestly tell you, we can go for the next 80 years. Because, remember, we've also been through a lot of shit. True different jobs back in the day we've been through different conversations we've been through girls we've been through just moments where we didn't see each other Mm -hmm. and moments when we spent too much time together sure so we've had arguments all across the fucking board Mm -hmm. and taking all those arguments and looking at them retrospectively from what we know now i can honestly say if i live to 80 which i probably fucking won't be zero percent chance that happens but I cannot see another issue that would come up that would cause you and I to argue. I can't imagine what that situation might look like, that that, that hypothetical. Because no. I, I think that we've got enough tools in our box now <laughs> where we, we can sidestep these things just so expertly, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and we don't listen to what other people say when they're trying to start shit about us. And we're not selling a fucking relationship book here, so, like, we don't need to blow smoke up your guys' asses. Like, we're just telling you from experience the shit fucking works yeah yeah I, I just wish that everybody could enjoy the ease of communicating that we enjoy with each other to it, drive the point home if 
people out there stop saying you are offending me or you this is your fault turn that inside mm-hmm. and say okay why am i perceiving it this way don't try to make your problem somebody else's that's the problem with today's society you just fucking own it just own it and say okay this guy's pissed off and he's saying something to me now i can either turn this into an argument and fight with the person which is something i would do just because i like fighting not because i'm going to blame him or you can turn it around and say I don't want to have a confrontation with this person. This person doesn't know me. Why am I expecting this person to think anything of me? This well, is really, my shit, like, so I'm going to own it and then look at it from an inward to outward perspective rather than an outward to in. Yeah. So without this like turning into like a whole topic about that. Right. Um, at the end of the day, like all we're trying to say is like we've learned a lot from this show. Hopefully mm-hmm. you guys have too. Um. If anybody's got anything to share about, like, if you've actually employed any of these tactics or adopted any of these philosophies, be interested to see how these things have worked or not, or even just if you've had a change of perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or even if they see something on us that we're not seeing. Yeah. Put that there, too. You know, if somebody else sees something in this show that we're doing, let's just put it out there. If you see it and we don't, hell yeah, let us know. And if you don't have any direct input, boob picks. There you go. Yeah, man boob, girl boob, if you got boobs, show them titties to me! Yeah, I just want to start off this segment by apologizing in advance for any audio issues you guys might be experiencing on your end. Here in Mission Studios, the AC is down. <laughs> that would be the air conditioning, not me. No, AC's lying on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so it is hot as fuck in the studio right now, and we are surrounded by fans. And I don't know if any of that is going to show up in the recording. If it does, I don't fucking care. I'm not going to sweat my fucking bag off just so you idiots can have clean audio. Yes, he will. <laughs> Okay, so did you want to set this one up, or? I think something we should start doing mm-hmm. is, like, every few episodes, you know, every three or four episodes, let's do something like Quotes Corner. And we'll each come off with a quote, or two, or three, of ones we like or don't like, and, you know, we'll just take a couple minutes and talk about them. Okay. Do you have any quotes you like? Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a couple that really grabbed me, and um, as usual, we'll just, like, let people in on what's happening. We literally just, not fucking 30 seconds ago decided that we were going to do this we've done zero prep Mm -hmm. and um we don't even know at this point in the conversation what the conversation is going to look like so (laughs) let's all get surprised together Mm -hmm. and for those of you that have sea vision on your audio tracks enjoy (laughs) (laughs) okay well being as i like hearing the sound of my own voice i will start out there you go Okay, this quote is from one of my favorite people, Stephen Fry, and um, he said, quote, It's now very common to hear people say, I'm rather offended by that, as if that gives them certain rights. It's actually nothing more than a whine. I find that offensive. It has no meaning. It has no purpose. It has no reason to be respected as a phrase. I'm offended by that. Well, so fucking what? End quote. I, f- I like that fucking quote. <laughs> well, it's good. And I think, like, 
anybody who's listened to any number of our episodes, <laughs> they should understand why I like this quote. Mm-hmm. Like, though, though in our sessions, fucks are given, but sometimes you just have to do something and not give a fuck, and here it is, this is yours, not mine. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, we have hammered the point home and back, and then, I don't know, all over the fucking playing field about who owns the offense. Mm-hmm. I don't need to really go into that again. Listen to literally every other episode if you want to hear our thoughts on that. Yeah. Ask Matt how much he likes that com- 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 conversation now. <laughs> we are not repeating ourselves. Yeah. See, Matt, we listen to you. I now repeat. Shut the fuck up and don't bitch. <laughs> I repeat, shut the fuck up and don't bitch. <laughs> I guess, what do you got? Lay it on me. Um, well, something that's always been near and dear to me because, as you know, my street life and I didn't have much of a family or anything else. Mm-hmm. I didn't have all the, what people would classify as normalcies to bring to a child-parent relationship. Okay. And, no, we always haven't been fruitful and and things have been really tight sometimes. And sometimes our mental conditions have gone way fucked off in the fucking solar system and then come back. So very simple, but one of my favorite quotes is, we may not have it all together, but together we have it all. That's actually pretty deep. I, that is my favorite thing in the world because without my family, seriously, I'd have nothing. You know, I'm not overly monetary, so I don't really give a shit about money. Now that I'm at a comfortable point in my life, I want to make a lot. But if I don't, it's not going to bother me. But if I didn't have my togetherness with my family, sorry, that would be really hard for me. So that saying has carried with me all the time. and, And I always hug my kids and say it because it's true, you know. Our living situation may not always be the best, but together we can get through anything. Together we have everything. So for me, it's been profoundly life-changing. No, I, it, I don't know. I, I had never really thought about that one before. But, you know, I, I really like that too, because it goes beyond that whole idea of like how the uh, collective or whatever the fuck it is is greater than the sum of its parts because mm-hmm. it's just so much more like emotionally, um, I guess, touching. And, well, and it's an emotionally charged statement. Well, sure. Because, I mean, it's, I mean, you talk about not having, you know, the, the normal stuff that goes associated with like normal childhood. I, for the most part, did have that stuff, though there were some lean times that I can remember. And I remember my my mom used to really have a hard time dealing with that stuff Mm -hmm. right up until my dad would sit her down and talk her off her ledge. And what he'd always say is, look, we may not have like extra money to burn, but we got each other as a family. And that makes us the richest people in the world. Yeah, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... We're we're both like very family oriented people, so yeah, that's and and for me, it's it's I wouldn't say it's a go to, but it's something I use in special situations. Like I'm involved in a in a really nice um mental health group, and it's it's about a friend of mine from another group started it up, and together we help ourselves and help others when they're feeling stressed and talk about things, and just we can just blurt out what our fucking issue is and leave it there for anybody to respond to. And my first contrib or one of my first contributions to that was none of us has it all together, but with the help of this group, together we can have it all. Mm-hmm. 
because we've got the support now of like 300 members. And it's not a dicking around place. It's not a place where you go to, you know, do any stupid fuckery or anything like that. It's it's to make, make light of your situation, make it easier for you to carry, not make fun of it. Make it easier for you to carry because other people are... Like lessen the load kind of thing. Empathetic, yeah. And by just putting having a place to put it, mm-hmm. so you can let go of it for a while and then revisit it later, you physically have somewhere else to put it. So it doesn't have to sit in your conscious and, and wing you down. Yeah, nothing to add. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so tell me a quote that you hate. <laughs> okay, this one is probably going to be like shooting fish in the barrel, and mm-hmm. I think we probably touched on this somewhere in the first five episodes. I don't remember. But probably the quote that annoys me the most is the golden rule. Do unto others mm-hmm. as you would have them do unto you. Like, what a fucking load of shit. <laughs> And I know there's probably people listening and thinking, well, how could you be fucking bothered by that? This is a good book. I don't even, it's not even a case of me being an atheist and thinking the Bible Mm -hmm. is stupid. I think it's. No, but I'm saying that's what people that are hearing. Yeah, I I think it's a stupid idea, regardless of the source, which I don't think it was even original to the Bible because every fucking religion, every culture has got its own version of that. Right. And I think most people would would agree that it's sort of a common sense thing to do, like a common sense approach to life. I disagree with that, and I don't care if it is common sense. I think that th- these people are stupid. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. And I'm comfortable just out and out offending you people. <laughs> so I guess now that I've insulted everybody, now I can explain my position. <laughs> All right. If you feel you need to, go ahead, Pansy. (laughs) I would prefer the edited version of that golden rule, which would be do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Oh, that makes a lot more sense. Treat me how I want you to treat me, not how you want to be treated. I think so. That's imposing, yeah, because to treat somebody the way you want to be treated is imposing your empirical views upon them. Maybe I'm a fucking sadist. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe maybe I want you to be soft and gentle with me, but you want me to whip you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be soft and gentle with you, something you don't like. Well, not you, just the proverbial you. So this boner is happening for no reason. That's because I fucking, you caught your zipper earlier. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Anyways. um, are there any quotes that sort of like just pick your ass? Well, I I hate the quote, but I think it's because it's so true and so many people hear the quote and have, have pay no reference to it. But the grass is always greener on the other side. One, it's way the fuck overplayed. Mm -hmm. But two, it still holds so true in any sense that uses it because people are so into themselves these days and so conceited and so worried about what's going to happen to self rather than worry about what's going to happen to others. They always still strive to get that grass that's on the other side of the fence. Mm -hmm. So though the, the phrase is more potent today, I think than in past years, because there's more people that are self-absorbed. I guess less appreciation for what we've got too. Right. So because it's so true now that, comment or that that statement is really fucking annoying to me okay yeah 
All right, let's let's each do one more that we like, sort of end things on a positive note, just to satisfy certain people who shall re- who Not shall sure. remain nameless. Matt Lund. Okay. Because I don't I don't want to get like accused of like just ranting or bitching too much. Mm-hmm. You know what we should call him Matt. Chew. probably like the longest standing supporter of this show and i think we abused that poor bastard more than anybody else yeah and and i'm I'm gonna straighten myself out here for a second and and i just have to say honestly he has been a very staunch supporter about us good or bad right through since episode two yeah even when the episodes were I think difficult for him to listen to because I just didn't say. Well, did he hear episode one? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. But no. yeah, like I, anybody I, that survives episode one, holy crap. <laughs> no, but he, he, he's been fantastic right from the get go. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying there hasn't been other supporters that have been there since episode one, but nobody's let us know. Therefore, the only person that's been outwardly there is, is he, he was the first to open his mouth. He was the first to, commit to uh, being a patron and uh, like mm-hmm. a paid supporter of the show. Right. This guy has been with us like through all the bullshit. Fuck, he's family now. Yeah, He's 100%. the evil troll that lives under our stairs. He's basically <laughs> like the third member of this show, I, I think. Like, he's like an honor- honorary... Uh, so like he's our penis? Yeah, kind of. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, I, I just want to say like, you know, I know we rip on this guy a lot, but you know what we'd say about him if we didn't like him? Nothing. Yeah, fair enough. Anyways, um, you're a good quote. <laughs> this one's from uh, one of my personal heroes, Christopher Hitchens. Oh, yep. He said, and, and this is just like a snip of one of his quotes because the, the full quote is a little bit too verbose, I think, for this segment. <laughs> but he said, quote, never be a spectator of unfairness or stupidity. The grave will supply plenty of time for silence. End quote. Oh, that's, yeah, that's kind of like, no, fuck you, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. No, I kind of like it. I mean, we, often we, we wait for, like, the right opportunity to, to come up to voice our opinion, you know? Mm-hmm. And these right opportunities, they don't always present themselves. It never feels like that exact moment to open up your fucking mouth. But the reality is we've all got opinions, and many of them are valid. And personal discomfort isn't the best reason to hold your tongue. Right. Sometimes everybody's thinking it and you, somebody's got to be the first one to say it. It may as well be you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I made a quote. When did I do that? It's on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> I can't remember when I fucking did it. Um, I made a quote about, uh, shoot. I don't remember when I did it. Um, so it's been lost to the Facebook archives? It's, oh, here it is. Okay. So I made a quote on July 21st. 20, 20, 21st? Yeah. <laughs> That's Kentuckyuckian. <laughs> Kentuckyuckian? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Um, so somebody was having an issue and couldn't appreciate his partner for their strength. Okay. So... I wrote on Facebook and I quoted it on the date with my name Mm because I wanted to own that shit. If someone cannot appreciate your strength, they do not deserve to hold you during your weakest moments. Yeah, that's fair. Mm -hmm. 
And and that has been something I'd say to a lot of people since I did it. Mm-hmm. I, I say it on a daily basis to people because the truth is so many people are getting shit on for being who they are. And and I'm not saying everybody has to be a strong person, but if people are strong in who they are, their personal strength, even if they're a submissive, okay, their strength is in who they are, their character, not necessarily that, you know, they can lift up 200 pounds or strong. Yeah. And if somebody cannot appreciate their infinite strength in themselves, then they don't deserve their soft, tender, weak moments. You know, everybody says, oh, I want my girlfriend to be soft and cuddly. And I want her to be this and I want her to be that. And, oh, man, she's got to flutter her eyes the right way and she's got to show off her cleavage. You know what? You should just appreciate that you have somebody. Yeah, you could be sitting alone fucking punching your pud and mm-hmm. you crying be, into your fucking Cheerios. You should be thankful enough that you have somebody who's willing to be them for you. Because to find somebody who's real these days is hard to find. If you have somebody that's willing to be strong in themselves around you, that's something you should value like a fucking diamond. You know, another quote, and I'm, I'm not going to go into whether or not I like it or not, but it, another quote is, you know, you're a diamond. So stand strong. Don't let anybody break you. Yeah. You know, like when you're you're describing this thing about like appreciating the people that you're with mm-hmm. or the person that you're with, mm-hmm. however your dynamic works, um, it, it sort of reminds me of a conversation we had on, uh, I can't remember the episode number. The, the, the title of the episode was Don't Claw My Cowl. Mm-hmm. And I think towards the tail end of that, the conversation started with us talking about um, how everybody's broken in their own way. Right. And um, towards the tail end, of that, I, I really liked the way you capped off that segment because you were basically telling people like, you're not, you're not broken, like you're you. Mm-hmm. And sort of like trying to inspire people to embrace themselves, right. which was a powerful message and a good one. But, you know, like, I, I think it works not just inward, but outward as well. Like, realize that the, the, the person or the people that are in your your life mm-hmm. are equally deserving of that sort of awe and appreciation for the wonder and uniqueness that is them. Right. They're not fucked up. They did. They, they, you know, I know people can be in aggravation, but maybe we shouldn't focus on the the parts about them that bother us. We should f- focus on the parts about them that make them who they are. Well, and that's just that they're 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 not broken. They're unique, and and because you're different than the guy next door, the guy says, "Well, you know, he's a bit off his rocker. He's fucking broken, motherfucker." The truth is, you're not broken. You're just not his kind of unique. Hmm. I don't like this stigma that put people put even with mental illness. Like if if people were broken, dude, you can't clean my shit up. Humpty Dumpty had a fucking more chance of being put back together than my fucking brick it did. My egg did. Well, you so, do have a bigger egg for a head though. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> hey, he was all fucking egg, you motherfucker. Anyway. <laughs> but the the point is nobody's broken. Everybody deserves to be appreciated for what they are. There should be no reason for us to put somebody down. Appreciate their strengths. Whether you agree with them or not, that's deciding whether or not you get into an intimate relationship with them or just a casual relationship. No, you know what? You're just saying that. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe not in the cases of where somebody's been affected by trauma. But it sort of got me to thinking that, you know, even if it is the result of a trauma, it's all part of what builds who you are. Well, my break is because of trauma and you're fucking there for me 120%. Yeah. So... So yeah, let's, uh, the fucking Jerry Springer, he used to end his show saying, you know, like, take care of yourselves and each other. Yep. 
you know, do yeah, that. Yeah. Wants to make a per episode donation? Visit www.patreon.com slash missionary The other day, my, my wife came home, and I guess she was leaving the Fred Meyer parking lot, and she saw a, um, guess what she presumed to be a homeless girl who was, as she put it, collecting donations. And um, So she was panhandling? Yeah. Okay. And my wife said, you know, I was going to give her some money, and then I looked at her, and it's like, she didn't look like she was strung out on drugs or anything like that, but she looked too clean to be homeless like her clothes were clean and she had makeup on so i just decided that i wasn't going to give her any money and then when she came home she was asking me like do you think i made the wrong decision and how how do you decide if she made a wrong decision or not well and and that's really where i was at because what i told her was that you know like ultimately only you know whether or not the decision was the right one for you right like i all i can say is like what i would what decision i would have made but by no means does that mean that like you should have followed my lead maybe i'm making my right decision might be your wrong one or vice versa yep i know it just sort of got me to to thinking about these stupid games these judgment games that we play when we're looking at somebody who's in need you know because my 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 wife and i were talking and you know i guess this woman not looking homeless enough (laughs) i guess (laughs) was really at the bottom of it she started trying to figure out what this girl's story might have been you know like well maybe maybe she's got drug problems that i couldn't see or you know maybe she's just some spoiled suburban kid who's decided to go out on the street or maybe she's well is there a dirt level that's required to prove you're homeless like no, I just thinking like there's there's all these fucking maybe scenarios that she's bringing up, right? Like, well, maybe she's a prostitute and is like pretending to be a panhandler so she doesn't get nailed with a solicitation charge. And I sort of like for a moment I was getting hung up in this game because I mean like it's really tempting to try to figure out what somebody else's story is. Right. And today when I was by myself, I I was sort of revisiting this conversation, and the only maybe I could come up with that seemed to really matter was maybe it's none of my fucking business. Yeah. Now, I would be lying if I said that I don't, on some level, make judgment calls as far as whether or not there is a good reason for me to dip into my pocket and give a couple of meaningless dollars to somebody who's down and out. Right. You know. Um, well, on a, on a just a very quick note, on a broader level, you know, everybody says don't judge, but the fact of the matter is, we all prejudge no matter what the situation. You know, if you're walking down the street and somebody looks too angry. There are certain people that won't approach them because they don't want to get in a confrontation. There will be certain people that say, oh, you know, they don't look like they're quite my type of person. Judgment, not because they're outwardly being rude. It's just how we as human beings operate in our safety nets. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think it's necessarily like a, a shitty trait that we're uh, judgmental on some level. Right. Because all, all judgment is is you making a determination based on either personal experience or personal feeling. Right. Personal experiences, they're, well, they're just that. They're personal mm-hmm. is the number one thing. And they're experience. It's hard to shake somebody, shake somebody off of the idea that what they've gone through has meaning. Right. So it's, it's, it's subjective, but it's still very meaningful. Mm-hmm. So what did you end up doing? I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of what I ended up doing in this okay. specific situation. Fair enough. I'd, I'd rather speak in generalities. And 
really, at the end of the day, I have spent a lot of time trying to work past my impulse to pass quick judgment on people. Right. What I try to do is, regardless of whether or not I think a person is, like, quote, unquote, deserving, whether or not I think they're going to spend the money on drugs, I just think, you know, I've got the money and I'm going to share it. Okay, fair enough. I guess my reasoning behind like not worrying about if somebody's going to spend the money on drugs or alcohol or, or bullshit or whatever is that I can't imagine what it would be like living on the streets. And if I'm going to play the pretend game, I would think that if I was living like what from my perspective is a shitty existence, I might want to do something to make it feel a little better once in a while. So I don't judge harshly based on that alone, but I mean, like, you're the ex- the resident expert on living on the street, so <laughs> I, I don't really know how much I can personally offer into this. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you weigh in? <sighs> well, being 28 years removed, but having a shit ton of experience because 14 years is a long freaking time. Yeah. Just because somebody doesn't appear dirty enough... Sorry, I'm stuck on that for a little bit here because I was never dirty. I never stank. I always washed myself. There was a subway at the bottom of Young and Dundas, the Young Street subway. And if you go down a floor, the Dundas subway, because one goes east and west, one goes north and south. Okay. Two huge bathrooms. Both bathrooms have 16 fucking sinks. It's a lot of running water. There's no reason for anybody, realistically, to stink because there's no... Unless you're barred for stealing, security guards, we go in there and eat all the time anyways. When we panhandle, we use our money to buy food. So we go down there and we stop in. I go to my locker. I kept a locker there. I got out my personal hygiene shit, washed, put my shit back in the locker, put my trench coat back on, and, and went about my day. They have a fucking hair dryer in the damn things. So, <laughs> huh. you know, the hand dryers? You kneel down, it's a fucking hair dryer. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> And at the time, I had some really nice hair. Now, well, yeah, unless I do a handstand, I'm kind of fucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even clean, I was always getting judged. You know, well, are you really a street person? That That's an actual thing. That's a, you know, are you just down here? And now, being in the housed situation, watching shit on the internet, and seeing people now on video being caught going downtown Vancouver, panhandling, taking the subway, three subway stops, getting out and getting into her Mercedes and going back up into North Vancouver to go home. Mm-hmm. This woman was making $460 a day panhandling. So does so, that does that sit in the back of your mind then that like that might be the situation with everybody that approaches you looking for a handout? No. Okay. No, I believe they're very few and far between. All right. And the reality is if I'm going to give somebody a buck or two, I don't really care. Well, it's just a buck or two, right? It's if I a- feel compelled that somebody needs help and, and I happen to be in error, then karmatically it's going to come back at me later on anyways. So, you know, I don't I don't believe in, in doing anything selflessly. I don't think that exists. I think that's a fucking myth. Every time I give something, I feel good about it. So you're doing it for that payoff? Well, I'm being honest about it. You know, I, I'm not one of these glory hounds that, or, that have to sit and and think they make themselves look better by pretending they're getting nothing out of it. I'm doing this as a totally selfless act. No, you're not. You feel good for doing it. That is the opposite of selfless. No, I think it's cool that you own that because, I mean, like, you started compelling me to be honest. I 
give because I feel guilty if I don't. Right. And you feel good when you do. Yeah. So, you know, 100% about me. It is self-gratification. And if people looked at it in the sense that they're doing it to make themselves feel better, maybe they would stop presuming judgment and just say, yes, I do want to help or no, I don't. Make a decision. If you're not going to help people, don't help people. If you are, you are. Kind of makes me think, though, that like the, the, to put the shoe on the other foot, that these people that don't give mm-hmm. because they're judging, maybe that's the payoff for them, it's just being a judgmental piece of shit. Oh, and, and you know, maybe people, you know, there could be people out there that are single moms, and you know what, I'm raising two kids by myself and I can't give. You know, when I was a single dad, and I was for quite a long, quite a few many years, 18 years, I made it so I could always afford to give because that's how I wanted to teach my children. And I let my children be the givers. Okay. Because I wanted them to understand that as long as we have food in the house and a roof over our head, there's always time to help somebody else. I don't want them growing up like I am with the stigma that's stuck in my head and people are stupid and and, and for the most part people are ignorant and, and they're so self-absorbed they can't see anybody else. Yes, I'm a self-absorbed person. I like to do things because it makes me feel good. But that doesn't mean I'm not caring. It doesn't mean I'm cold. Mm-hmm. It means I can own the fact that I enjoy doing it, and it helps somebody else out. So, do you feel like your your fourteen years on the street affects how much or how little you do for people that are in that situation currently? No, I I, I personally judge on circumstance. Okay. You know, I will. So, I, so you're not like sizing them up like one street person to another, or um, am I? Um, okay, so when you say sizing up to me, it means like we're going to get down, throw it out. Well, like, no, not like sizing them up for confrontation, but just trying to, like, I guess take their inventory. Like, okay, well, are you some bored suburban kid who's out here just looking for some play money, or are you somebody who's legitimately down on their luck, who's looking for a handout? Are you a drug addict? Like, because I, I would assume that after 14 years on the street, you develop a pretty good eye for who's legit and who's not. Right. And, and there are some people who are legit and there's some people who aren't, but I don't, I never actually give money except for to two people because I know them. Okay. okay. They've proven themselves to me. They've, I've got a lot of expensive tools in my garage. They've knocked on my door. Hey, Dice, your garage is open and, oh, okay, thanks, man. And I'll close my garage and they don't expect anything for it. They just do it because we've developed a report. I've taken the time to get to know them. No, so they want to make sure them. that your shit doesn't get stolen because you've been good to them. And because they gave me half the shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I won't give money except for, like I said, to two people. What I do is I don't necessarily judge anymore. If somebody needs a handout in their, in their clean cut, I don't put any less or more credence that they're street person on them because there's a lot of people out there who take care of themselves. So you don't need to be filthy to get help. Correct. I will say, oh, okay, well, you know. Kids and I went to Vancouver once. I told the story in the past episode. Went to Vancouver, ran in the homeless person. We had sat down, had a picnic with them because they were genuinely hungry. Because uh, we were going to go to the beach and do it. Instead, we did it right on the middle of Granville and freaking Davie. Nice. Um, I will buy people food if they're hungry. You know, let's go to Tim Hortons or we'll go to a sit-down restaurant and have a nice meal together. Not a problem. I have no problem with that if somebody's genuinely hungry or thirsty. Because now this is a judgment on me, actually, because when I panhandled, I did use money for Coke. Because that was my 80s, was Coke. Good times. That's what sets me to not give people money. Because I know how I was. So, if somebody wants help, I will feed them or 
give them something to drink, or buy them a pair of fucking pants. Whatever the scenario is, I will do what I can to help them, but I will not give anybody money anymore because of how I acted with it. Yeah, something just popped into my head now. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's a little off topic, but I was thinking back to the beginning of the conversation on how my wife didn't want to give because the the girl looked too clean. Uh And I was sort of thinking from personal experience, like there have been times, I mean, I'd like to think I've adjusted my attitude since then. There's times where people look like too dirty, like too fucked up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to give because I sort of like sized them up and thought, well, now this person's got some fucking problems and I don't want to like um, perpetuate. Yeah. Or I don't want to enable them or mm-hmm. whatever. And it just occurred to me that, you know, like maybe like the reason that one person's clean is because they've got a second set of clothes where they can change while they're washing the dirty clothes mm-hmm. and the other person's filthy because that's the only fucking clothes they've got. So if they want to do laundry, they're basically going to stand naked in the public place. Right. And then there's also those people who just don't give a fuck and don't change your clothes. That happens too. Well, I've met people like that that have a roof over their head and a full-time job. So exactly. I guess if you're a filth pig, you're going to be a filth pig regardless of your situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to sidetrack you there. No, that's fine. So, like, if you could, like, jump in the way back machine for a minute, like, put yourself back to the the 14 years on the street. To do a Back to the Future replay, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Is there anything that, like, if you could go back and like, maybe send a message, like, homeless you to... Um, I guess people in 2018 who might be thinking, I don't want to give to that guy. Is there anything that you would tell them, put a thought in their head as far as like, a, I don't know. Well, yeah, actually it's something we talked in a different subject about quit pushing your opinion on somebody else, except what's wrong with you, not what's wrong with them. Okay. Look inwards and say, why do I not want to give this person, whether the person's dirty or clean, that smells like alcohol or perfectly clean or whatever the scenario is. Quit saying what's wrong with that person and why I don't want to give and internalize it and say, okay, why am I putting myself in a position where I'm judging the person that way? If they're hungry, why can't I buy them a sandwich? If they're too dirty to have a sit-down meal, that's fine. Buy them a fucking Tim Horton sandwich and give it to them. Well, I guess even meth heads need to eat a sandwich once in a while, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So if I had to, if I had to give them the one bit of advice, that's exactly what it would be. Quit judging them and start to understand why you're judging. I think that's a good place to leave it. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, so the recording is on, and it looks like it's catching my voice. Alrighty. <laughs> okay. I don't know why you, you said that, and I know you didn't sound at all like Venus Flytrap, but that was immediately the visual that came to mind was fucking Venus Flytrap with his big fucking afro. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you look a lot more like Dr. Johnny Fever. Compliment okay. intended. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty fucking awesome. So I, I just came back from vacation, and... Um, I spent a lot of time inside of my own head while I was away, mostly because... Without your straitjacket. <laughs> oh, God. Well, the straitjacket wasn't necessary because I was drunk as fuck for almost the entire time. Oh, so you couldn't move anyways. All right. Yeah. So, like, well, I, I don't know if I could or couldn't. I didn't try to move. <laughs> I spent almost an entire week floating on a lake drinking while my niece, and I should clarify that she is 24 years old but i didn't have a child bringing me booze 
Well, my niece would bring me snacks and more alcohol whenever I needed them. So I had no occasion to leave the the lake, not even for bathroom reasons, because it's a you, lake. You shit in the fucking lake? No, I didn't. I shit in the, at the hotel in the morning. I just like laid in my floaty and no, peed all day. No, I can see you pulling down the back of your fucking trunks and just letting one out. No, it's not that I've got a problem with like the idea of shitting a lake. It's just the last time I shit in a lake, I tried swimming away from it and it followed me. You bring these things up and you can't talk about them. No, damn it. Idiot. But it's funny as shit. <laughs> Especially when I joke. Anyways, the point of the story was not my bathroom habits. The, the <laughs> point of the story was I had a lot of time to reflect and think because nobody wanted to hang out with me because I was drunk and floating on a lake in a puddle of my own urine. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, apparently the water was just a little bit too warm near where I was and nobody wanted to swim there. So, <laughs> anyways, I, I was thinking about... Like, I've got a family member who is a racist. Yep. And, and not not just a little bit racist, like a lot racist. Uh-huh. Like, she, you would think she was born down south. Yeah. So, I, I started thinking about, like, like I, I know I'm not racist, and I got a problem generally with people who are, but at the same time, I often we'll look at things from a variety of different angles and just, just to try to gain an understanding of where another person's coming from. And I started wondering if racism was one of those things that was okay to look at from the other side. Think like, are there justifiable reasons perhaps for a person being racist? Like, is this something that's hardwired into maybe like some subconscious survival instinct? Is this something that, you know, for those of us who aren't racist are we being honest when we say we're not racist or is there some level of racism that's buried down in there somewhere and you know it's one of those difficult conversations to have internally because if i'm like a a fuck up or an asshole in ways that i'm not comfortable with that is something that i don't like okay but what i was thinking is you know like underneath it all when people are racist is generally they are not liking people because these people are different right you know and 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 there are racists that i i don't think a racist pertains anymore to race you know people with down syndrome um people who are mentally handicapped have people who are racist per se against them because they're different no well you know you, you bring up a good point it's a little bit ahead of the conversation mm-hmm. But I mean, we're, we're we're sort of we're going to end up there, right? Um, ultimately, what it comes down to is we have problems with people that are different than us, you know. And racist—that's a fairly extreme example. That's something that's like a social taboo. It's like, well, you're not allowed to dislike people for certain differences. But if, if it's a case of like you're in the classic rock and your neighbors in the country, you can not like the whole country scene. You can not like the country crowd. Nobody's going to think you're a fucking bigot. They're just going to be like, well, it's not your thing, you know? And your type of music, but it doesn't mean you hate the person because they're listening to it. You might, depending on, like, how far into the country music culture they are. I don't know. I think that's pretty shallow. Yeah, it is. No, I'm I'm not saying it's not shallow. I'm just saying, like, I get it. I don't. Okay. Well, that's something we we can get into. Yeah, fair enough. But, um, like, it's really easy to, to look and think, okay, well... 
differences are going to separate us like extreme differences and it's really easy to justify inside your own head well i don't like it doesn't even have to be limited to people but i mean more often than not the problems is like if you don't like a certain type of people whatever that type is right you know it ultimately comes down to the differences but then i started thinking too it's like like i've, I've got a a a, a brother who I don't talk to. I haven't talked to him in many years. Mm-hmm. And at the core of our relationship difficulties is that him and I are almost exactly the same person. So whereas I can understand or I can identify that we can have troubles with other people because they're different, I can also think of examples of where we have troubles with people that are the same. I, I can understand more disliking somebody because they're the same than I can somebody that's different. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'm with you there. Okay. Because more often than not, somebody who's too much like me, I'm going to have a problem with. Right. Well, and, and commonly, we hate most in others what we see in ourselves. Sure. Like. So, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to, like, for once, look outside of the bubble of just you and I. I'm looking at different people and, like, their, their likes and dislikes mm-hmm. and, like... Who, I'm, I know, I'm talking in general. And who they get along with and don't. And, like, it, it seems like it comes down to, like, our, our reasons for disliking other people come down to what I've identified as one of two categories. Mm-hmm. And category number one is people that are different than us. Mm-hmm. Category number two would be people that are the same as us. Now, I think that the people generally that we're going to most get along with, they're not landing on one of those two extremes. They're landing somewhere in the middle. They're just that right mix of, you know, you're different enough for me where I'm not like getting overwhelmed by the similarities, but you're the same enough but where... We can a rat together. Yeah, we've right. got like some common ground, right? Right. So, so we can identify with each other, but we still each bring our own individuality to the table. Right. So I don't know if you had any thoughts on this half-baked theory of mine. Um, I don't know, because I'm having a really hard time with this, only because, as you know, like I know I talk about a lot in the show, and people are probably thinking it's a facade and such, but it's not. The truth is, I really don't like people in general. Okay. So it's not because they're different from me. It's not because they're the same as me. It's because I just don't trust the human race. <laughs> There are, you know, of course, select few people that I meet. And, of course, I'm courteous. I'm not rude to everybody. And I'm not, you know, because I don't know them, I don't like them and I don't trust them, doesn't mean I'm going to be rude to them. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm holding a door open for one person, there happens to be six people behind them, I'll hold, hold the door open for all six. Just because that's who I am. I don't have to like you to show respect because I don't even fucking know you, so I'm not going to show you disrespect. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm having a hard time grasping how somebody can not like somebody because they're different. Like there's, there's so much to explore. If you actually find somebody you might like, if they're different than you, there's so much to explore. What's to hate? Like there's so much education that can be received from that. But, and I, and I know I'm bringing it back into us, but all we have to go from is our personal experiences. No, that's the thing. And I, I sort of spent a little bit of time thinking about that too. Cause I mean, really I'm talking about like, as far as like people that are different, like, a very, very extreme example of where, like, there's no common ground. I mean, for me on a personal level, mm-hmm. the the human beings I find the most fascinating 
are people that are quite different from myself, but even those people that are leaning towards the extreme of being um, different than I am, there's still usually some sort of common ground. Otherwise, we wouldn't even likely be communicating, right? right. And I, I see a lot of this in the in the online atheist community because, I mean, really the only thing that we necessarily have in common with all these other people is... A, a, a shared lack of a belief in a god right mm -hmm. but i mean that's not the core of who we are that just happens to be the one common thread that runs throughout the group right but the members that make up the group they're from all walks of life they're from all different cultures people from all over the world different religious or non-religious backgrounds right you know just as different as a group of people could be, these people are different, but we do have at least that one thing to go to. And I'm just wondering if I'm trying to think if there's somebody that's so different that they don't have one thing in common. Well, and that's sort of what I'm wondering about. I don't know anybody where I don't have at least something. Right. And again, like for, from my personal perspective, I know like we're both being single, we're trying not to like have this too inward, but I mean, ours are the only perspectives we have access to really. Right. at least right now in this moment um i don't i don't know that i would be put off by somebody that i don't share any common ground with we can go on a philosophical journey and sure. say okay so what if what if you found somebody that had no common interests none you are just average joe mm -hmm. and he is a different average joe but see, even then, and, and I know, but you, the one thing you still have in common is, is you're both male, so you both think relatively the same. Um, but what if there was a proverbial you and a proverbial somebody else, and you were polar opposites, so different, nothing was in common? Now, what would there to be to hate or dislike? Maybe it would come down to fear of the unknown. Yeah. And, Which... and the biggest thing that drives us to dislike or to hate is fear. Yeah, and I don't know. We're, I guess, not fearful people generally, so maybe that's why we don't get the disliking people for being different. Right. But, I mean, there are a lot of paranoid and fearful people out there. <laughs> but, I mean, we try to educate ourselves too. And, I don't know, as far as, like, this hypothetical situation where, you know, you're dealing with somebody who you don't know who is, like, a polar opposite, I think I would approach it the same way I would approach if I was put into a, a position with somebody where we don't share a, a common language. So say you put me and a German in the same room mm -hmm. and we not necess we don't necessarily have a need to communicate, but maybe we're just both in a place and actually no, cause they're, you know, it's a matter of like, sorry, I'm stuttering and stammering here, but I'm just thinking it doesn't matter how I imagine this scenario. There's always some common ground. Either it's a shared desire to communicate, a shared need to communicate. But ultimately, I, I think. Even if that needs just out of boredom. Yeah, I mean, at least you've got a shared boredom. So, I mean, I, I think that's why you and I have such a hard time like identifying with people that are bigots of any kind, because we're always looking at the fact that they're is something that we share. Right. Nobody is completely different. Other people don't, I think, see it that way. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, 
ignoring the the problems I'm identifying in my hypothetical, I think I would approach it like dealing with somebody with a different language. You know, you find different ways to communicate. You know, you could draw diagrams, you could do hand gestures, you could act things out, have like a, basically a game of charades to convey an idea or a word or whatever. Right. I think we can take the same sort of approach with somebody where we don't identify a common ground. Like, why can't we get just as creative as far as trying to identify what is it that unites it rather, unites us, sorry, mm -hmm. rather than um, what separates us. Because, you know, maybe your hair is different. Maybe you like different food, different music, different culture, different whatever. I mean, what a great opportunity uh -huh. for, for both of us right. to explore each other's worlds without actually having to physically travel to them. And to grow. Sure. Yeah. There's nothing to be learned. Well, when... okay. So here's, here's because, and, and that just came out of the comment I said, you know, because we, we see it as a way to grow. Some people like, and in my opinion, bigots, are afraid to grow. They are not big enough in their heads to grow, to care enough to learn about somebody else's. I would add to that, it's a, I think it's a combination of fear and ego. It's fear of the unknown. And ego, they, they, I'm better than? Or? Yeah, I'm yeah. better than, or I'm, even if it's just a case of I'm good enough, I don't need to learn anything else. Yeah, that, and that's pretty cool. Man. Thank you for listening. This is and always will be a politically incorrect version of the Missionary Position Podcast. Mission Studios, the Missionary Position Podcast, their employees, or its entertainers are in no way culpable for anyone being butthurt, slighted, or in any way offended. If you as a human being cannot accept that something may sound like a close resemblance to your situation and not be totally about you in your little remnants of an existence, that is your issue. Send your opinions, hate mail, boob pics, full nudes, ideas, or questions in the form of an email to missionarypod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at missionarypod and like us on Facebook at Missionary Position Podcast. If you are so inclined to help this broadcast get better or just wish to help out, our Patreon account is patreon.com slash missionarypod.